Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. It's a Friday. Great to be here with you for The Call. You know the drill. Ten stocks picked by you. Two expert guests, one hour. And me, your host, I'm Nadine Blaney. If you are watching us on Twitter or YouTube, a special welcome to you too as well. Great to have you along. This is the program that we do Monday to Friday between 12 and 1 p.m. But you can also catch up via podcast or on our website. It is the dynamic duo back in the house, virtually, of course, on this Friday. Claude Walker from A Rich Life, Rudy Filipek van Dyke from FN Arena. Rudy, I'm just judging your hair. Yep, you're still in lockdown. How are you traveling? <laughs> well, um, I'm actually quite used to being in lockdown. I mean, um, as you can see, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not seeing too many people outside of my house, but. Uh, for the rest, uh, as long as we can do this, I'm still in contact with the outside world. That's good. Now, Claude, I'm not going to waste too much time off the top here because I am going to put you both under pressure. So this is a bit of a tease for our audience. I'd like a buy that we don't talk about all the time with both of you at the end of this program. Please, mm. please. So I'll put that out there. Uh, for now, though, I would like to get across the stock of the day. And I couldn't look past iris today because it's a hard one to miss at least uh, judging by the news this morning and the share price reaction so takeover talks ending between it and eqt after the two failed to come to an agreement it's uh, believed on a transaction price which could have seen eqt buy out iris now the third attempt was priced at fifteen dollars 91 a share valuing iris at some 3.2 billion dollars and it came after the company rejected the previous two bids from EQT saying they didn't provide compelling value to shareholders. So the talks have failed. Iris remaining committed to doubling its net profit after tax by 2025, reaffirming its FY21 forecast for segment profit of between 164 and 168 million dollars. Let's get a view uh, from my guests on what's come to the fore today with Iris. Claude Walker, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because EQT coming out and saying, we've not come across any red flags during our due diligence, but we're not able to sufficiently confirm our investment hypothesis. That's done and dusted, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, it is. But there is one bit of new information that we got today that we can say uh, with confidence, which is that 
Um, Iris looks better from the outside than it does from the inside. Uh, so I think that's that's a negative in terms of the like true quality of the business, as well as obviously for the share price, we've seen a bit of a drop today as people who were hoping for um, you know the, the takeover money have failed from the stock. Um, where to from here then, Claude? Uh, well, for me, uh, now, of course, Rudy is much more knowledgeable about these uh, big old father-in-law companies than I am. Uh, but for me, uh, this is uh, a company that is sort of highly valued because of its high resilience and high um, high revenue, like consistency of revenue growth. However, from memory, what that hasn't really translated to much impressive profit before tax growth over the years. So I actually think it's, this is a generally overrated company. And part of the reason it's overrated is because it is a reliable dividend payer in, I think, the 3.5% range. So I could definitely imagine, especially people that really love franking credits, I could definitely imagine them, um, you know, buying, holding this kind of stuff. And, and I guess that's why, you know, that makes sense for those people. But overall, I actually think it's an overrated company generally. Uh, Rudy, your thoughts on Iris, because just reading through some of the broker <laughs> notes, um, yeah, it appears as if some of the brokers at least don't feel confident that there will be another offer made for the company. But is Iris fine to go it alone and keep doing what it's doing? It's just reaffirmed its guidance as well. Well, Nadine, let me answer that question in the complete opposite way as you've just heard from Claude. And this is obviously why, why live television can sometimes be so exciting for the viewers. Um, I own Iris. We've, we've spoken about this in, in, in the past. Um, uh, contrary to what uh, Claude said, I, I don't think the company is, uh, is overvalued at all. It's actually undervalued. Um, the reason why Iris hasn't performed share price-wise over the past five years is because they, they felt the need, and probably rightfully so, that they had to crank up their investments. And they're pretty much investing every year now, double the amount that they were investing uh, six years ago. And, and that, of course, has meant that their, their, their profit margin has consistently been under pressure over the past five years. And that means that even though their revenue were growing every year, their profits were not, and their, their dividends only slightly so. So if you now hark back to management's forecast, that they're very confident they're going to double their profits over the next few years, then that is probably a call on the margin. And, 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 and admittedly, uh, investors are rightfully so a little bit uh, skeptical because they have flagged a couple of times in the past that they believe that their margin would no longer come under pressure. And yet it did in the subsequent year again. But of course, margins don't drop eternally, you would, you would expect. So on the expectation that margin starts trending upwards again, that forecast might actually prove quite uh, prescient. And if that forecast is prescient and accurate, then I mean, then I don't need to, to, do, uh, to do a design here uh, or a special design. The share price will be a lot higher in five years' time um, or in four years' time. Uh, it's 21 by 25, it's four years. Share price will be a lot higher if they do uh, double their profits uh, over that period. You, I actually can give you a scoop as well, because as I said, I earned I owned the shares, uh, then I get a, a couple of takeovers, so the share price runs up a whole lot. And then, of course, it's not binding, and there is no certainty that this will lead to a positive outcome, as, we, as we've seen this morning, um, which put me some something in a quandary, because 
because what do you do? Mm -hmm. um, I have decided out of, out of risk management, I sold half of my shares, of, upon which I have obviously made a very good return in a relatively short time span. And then what do I do with the other half? I decided recently that I would be happy to own the shares if the transaction did not go through. This morning, we have a minus 10%, 11% that goes off the share price. And this is probably the first time on live television that I am not unhappy that that share price falls. I'll just, I might even reconsider that I, I reinstate the previous weighting I had to this, mm -hmm. uh, to this stock. I'll, I'll think about it over the weekend. Contrary to what, what Claude says as well, um, the, the buyer of, 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 of Iris, potential buyer of Iris, obviously was considering spending a lot of money and somehow they believe that that whole image about our customers are relatively sticky, they, they couldn't make that fit in their own thesis. Um, I'm not so, well, that, there is obviously gradations. Usually you get the opposite. Usually the share market doesn't appreciate the stock and then the buyer does. In this case, we get the other way around. Um, they could not get Iris at a cheap valuation, of course. Um, I'm still sticking with management here for the reasons I've, I've just outlined. I'm a happy shareholder. I'll happily cash in those dividends and I expect them to do well over the next three years. Oh, you've leave me in a bit of a quandary, right? So do I call that a buy um, today, Rudy, uh, for Iris or not? Oh, yes, I would. I would. If you don't own if it. If you're not owning you it are, yet. Yeah, if you don't own it, it today and, would be a good and, day and to buy Iris. I, I would I would consider buying it. It pays a it pays a good dividend mm -hmm. and management is confident that they will they will double their profits over the next three to four years. That is something to look forward to. Claude, were you going to add something there? I will give you an opportunity that you don't have to take it. Oh, I have I have a feeling that Rudy will be do better off with some of his other favorites um, from Iris. Like I agree, like yeah, maybe decent dividend stock. But I just think that if he's I, I know Rudy's like a long term style investor, usually going for the long term. And I just think that uh, this this company is probably no no longer in its prime in terms of it, it's no longer organically winning uh, more business in in the kind of way that it, maybe it did in the mm. past and i think that probably to double that profit they're going to need to buy a lot of i don't know what they're going to do but we'll see well look we're going to agree to disagree on this one you guys <laughs> and uh i will put some of those questions to management on monday we will speak with iris ceo just past 11 a.m eastern so yeah looking to go right to the source He's obviously a bit tied up today. All right, let's get right to it. Our first stock of the day picked by you. Tilly wants a view on Ardent Leisure Group. ALG is the ticker code. Rudy, over to you. Um, I don't think we have to make this too long. Why? Why? No, that's my... I mean, surely you don't have to be an investment expert to see that this is... Um, I mean, can we even call it an investment-grade company? I don't know. Listen, in, in a, to, put, to put it very briefly, 10 years ago, this was supposedly a reliable dividend-paying stock in the share market, relished by many because at times it would pay 13% uh, forward-looking in dividends, and of course, people loved it. Right? Today, the share price is a lot lower. Uh, annual sales have been in decline for every single year for now for uh, at least half a dozen years uh, the, the the profits are under pressure the margins are under pressure 
Now, admittedly, they had a few accidents along the way, and we don't have to go into the details, but they also have stopped paying a dividend. Um, yes, there's always that turnaround potential, but I would say, let's look elsewhere. It's, it's not worth it. Uh, you don't want to be sitting on a stock like this if it doesn't perform. Um, I mean, we just spoke about Iris, who predicts they're going to double their profits over the next few years. This one is not going to do anything near that, and, and that includes the next six months. Claude, are we keeping this one short and sweet for Tilly? Ah, uh, yeah, I guess we may as well. Look, I think probably a lot of the, and I look, I agree with what Rudy said, so I, I probably won't repeat that. But I'll just say, I reckon that perhaps a bit of the share price recovery that we have seen in this stock is actually short covering. Now, actually, back when the pandemic hit, this was a, this was one that I shorted. Many people shorted it. It was obviously going to be in trouble. Uh, and I think you know, over then in the last year, we've seen the the graph of the short positions is almost the exact opposite of that share price graph graph there. And at this point, there are not many shorts still in the market. I have a feeling that we might see that the but the gain of the recovery is now in the past. So I definitely you know agree with Rudy. Okay. There we go. Ardent leisure for you, Tilly, and not the reopening stock that some perhaps would think it is. Let's go to the next company on our list for AJ. Hey, AJ, thanks for writing in. Phineas Corporation, FCL. And he wanted your opinions specifically, guys, saying, I'm wondering if the company's turned its corner in its most recent update. Now is it a good time to get on board with a medium or long-term view in mind? Or is there limited growth in the product niche that it provides once all insurers adopt its software claude you first please oh well i think that the questioner <laughs> itself has done a really great job uh i i enjoyed that and, and i'm sure rudy has a slightly different view of it than i do um the the question that i think they're getting at as is often the case with these kind of software plays is whether it's going to be a hard yakka to grow kind of story or if it's going to be uh, you know, an easy one, high demand for the product. If you have high demand for a software product, you can transform from loss making to very, very profitable. Um, and you can also have a high confidence that you're going to be able to do that. So that's why a lot of these software companies do have a uh, tend to trade on high multiples. Phineas probably um, hasn't done as well as I thought it would in the past. I'm a previous shareholder of this stock. And the reason for mine is that uh, at the moment we're yet to see that sort of organic growth uh, take off and it's had to dilute itself uh, both for losing money and, and for, for, for growth initiatives, but they've, for acquisitions, they've had to um, you know, basically issue more shares. And as a result of that, uh, you don't tend to get that kind of explosive kind of gains you get from a software company that's run or any tech company, really, like a medical company. Anything that's um, growing quite quickly but doesn't have to dilute generally is a better bet than Phineas. So for me, I've actually decided um, I sold out of my Phineas shares and I actually decided, even though I still think it's a good company and I think it will probably will do well, it's just too hard for me to model um, actually to actually detect and be certain that actually it does have good enough products for them to just grow naturally out of demand. And in fact, some of the research I've had done in the past suggests that perhaps some of the code base that this guy, this company has built its business on is kind of old. And that sort of gets into a concept called tech debt, um, which is probably 
one of the things that I deep dive in more than most people, which is partly due to the fact that I've worked um, uh, developing algorithms and, and worked in code myself. And I've worked enough in a software company to see that how like having old technology written in old code bases that don't um, interact as easily uh, does cause trouble and cost lots of money to fix and make it harder to grow and improve. And I have a feeling that that may be some issues here with Phineos. Um, hence why I'm on the sidelines. But having said that, even what I said, like heaps of good companies have tech tech, it's fine. It's it doesn't it's not a killer of the thesis. So for me it's kind of I'm a bit ambivalent on it basically. So that would be a hold if you have it? Yeah. Uh well yeah, I guess a hold it depends what you uh how you interpret that. Like if, I definitely wouldn't sell because of me, put it that way, but yeah. at the same time, I'm not buying even though I don't have it. Good. Now, Rudy, you know, does this company Phineas have a lot of cross-selling and upselling that it can do with its existing companies or again does it need to keep acquiring to grow no it doesn't um uh, and i i i i think that the formulation of the question was a little bit uh, too much focused on the share price since listing this company is not listed for a very long time and it has had the uh, unfortunate coincidence that uh, COVID and, and lockdowns uh, broke out and, and that put the whole business model uh, on pause for, for quite a while. One of the major impediments to go full force uh, into this stock was the fact that it's not profitable and it needs capital to grow. Now, it recently um, raised capital and now that problem has been solved. Um, we are also coming out of lockdowns and COVID and um, I think people, people really don't understand where the growth of this company comes from. What we are facing here is, a, is an international insurance uh, sector that is uh, under pressure because of climate change and other, other problems, and they desperately need to, to uh, basically become more efficient. Now, this company has one of the solutions to become more efficient. So the logic here is that if they, as long as they do their marketing correct, and they're not the only one in that sector, by the way, there are a few American companies that are competitors, but as long as they keep on winning new accounts, um, alongside the Americans winning their accounts, then this company should become worth a lot more into the future. It's about it's about acquisition of new customers more than acquisition of other companies. And uh, if you believe that management can do that, can do just that, and they just raise the capital to do it, they should be profitable in 18 months from now, approximately. And that means this is a, this is uh, similar to Iris. If you believe that management can execute on that, then this is actually a buy today. Well, you answered my question, so it is a buy today. I was going to get the chart back up on screen again, but there you go. You know the routine around here, Rudy. It's only taken me. Oh, kidding. Okay, let's get on to the next company, NZME. NZM is the ticker code. This one is for Sam. Look, it's media. It's a tough business to be in, <laughs> publishing, radio, digital. Uh, would this be the type of company that you would think Rudy has enough growth, has enough capital growth um, coming its way to make you interested? What do you think, Nadine? <laughs> well, listen, for people who are not familiar, this, this, you could sort of say this is the, the, the Fairfax of New Zealand, sort of, in approximately. Small market, um, Fairfax, small market that. And of, course, and of course, Fairfax now is part of Nine Entertainment, so they no longer exist on, on, on the solar basis either. I mean, I, I can't, no, it, it, I, I, there's too many shifting plates there, and, and you always have to, I mean, every, every investor 
has a limited budget, one would assume. So you have to be a little bit careful where you put your money also in terms of risk and whether you want simply short-term rewards or a decent uh, sustainable return over, over a longer period. For me, this type of company is A, too small, too many question marks, too many challenges. And yes, of course, everyone comes back from, from, a, from a beaten down, very low level. Uh, everyone has a recovery after, after a bad period, but that doesn't mean it's sustainable, great investment. And I would, uh, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I actually had forgotten it was actually listed on the ASX. Um, um, but it doesn't mean anything. I mean, um, I would not yeah. consider it, to be honest. Okay. Um, and you know I'm Switzerland on these issues, Rudy. You can't ask me what I think. Um, Claude, what do you think? Because I can ask you, what do you think about NZME? Um, well, I do think a lot of the similar things as Rudy. So if I kind of uh, build on that, I think there's kind of a theme in, in some of the stocks we have today, which is more so than usual. Some of them are sort of what I'd call pro-cyclical stocks. And like media that's based on advertisers, generally, advertising that could be you know o media the billboards or, or nz media the, the old school uh new zealand media company well uh that is a pro cyclical kind of business and so even though it may look kind of attractive as a dividend stock right now i think it's a 6.5 percent yield based on um, like the last half anyway and it's you know it looks like it's cheap p under 10 right so i can see why dividend investors value investors uh, could be attracted to this stock, quite frank. However, it's worth remembering that these kind of pro-cyclical businesses won't um, be there for you when you need them, right? So generally speaking, the time you might want that dividend or want the cash the most because you have a good value investment would be during some kind of sell-off like we saw um, in March 2020. But we just saw that five-year graph and you can see how that got hit super hard right down um, during that period. And now it's kind of just bounced back to where it was before. If we look at that longer term chart, the question then becomes, you know, what is the what are the longer term influences? What are the changes in the world around us that are influencing this business? And are they making it easier or harder for them to make profits? And I would say we're still in the harder phase of it. Yes, obviously, traditional media has taken an absolute whack over a long time. And, it, and it's restructured and it's consolidated. Having said that, we're also seeing an environment through the internet, just as you know, someone's maybe looking, listening right now on Twitter, that did not exist five years ago. And mm -hmm. I am very confident that other players are going to be very fast on their toes in that kind of new emerging landscape, whereas uh, some incumbents may have trouble keeping up. And it, 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 you never know who the new guy is that's going to start taking some of your share, but there are so many now that are enabled by the internet. Yeah. So I think it's a, a difficult a difficult headwind for them. And as a result, it wouldn't be a stock that would interest me to hold or buy or really have anything to do with. That's an avoid. So Sam, there you go. That's your answer. Let's move on, guys, to the next one on our list from Dom Appin. He's given us a bit of context, which I like getting sometimes because he's saying, I purchased App in early 2021 for 1527. The company's basically drifted lower for there. We know that it's been in a downgrade cycle. So what does the panel think? And I suppose that gets to the heart of it because it's not just about what we buy. It's about what we sell. And sometimes you do need to sell. So should Dom be selling App in, in your view, Claude? Well, I don't want to like give. I don't know Dom's exact situation, yeah, so no, I wouldn't want to give any enough. kind of personal advice to him. Um, 
I guess more generally about Appen, there was an article that I wrote for uh, people, like I was hoping to uh, avoid people in Dom's situation uh, called The Truth About the Appen Business Model. And if you read that article, you'll say, and this is like, I think the real key point is that around the time when Dom said he bought it, does the share price had come a long way down from maybe $40 to, um, when did he say, I beg your pardon, it was 15 or whatever. So you can sort of see somewhere in that yeah. descent, he jumped on board. Um, and I guess it's one of those things where there was a little more bad news coming out um, about the stock or about the business um, and it's a failure to grow. And I guess there was a view in the value investors guy as it comes down 70% or whatever. And the value investors almost immediately need to stroke their beard and be like, oh, this is too far. The market's overreacted. They're hysterical and I'm calm and wise. But the thing is, these value investors haven't been following this business. They're not across um, the the story in the same way like the growth investors were who got on board who've been following it since 2015 and i will tell you what drove that growth was the historical growth was a huge amount of business from google facebook microsoft and those kind of massive tech companies when this story started i think it was just microsoft when it got listed and it just exploded because they're basically providing that data that these guys needed However, what people have completely, in my view, discounted and forgotten about is that after a certain period of time, um, the need for data labeling, which kicks off your AI stuff, potentially goes down because even though the generation of AI algorithms continues to increase, the data sets can get reused to train different algorithms for different sources. And um, there are... Like, and there were so many millions being spent on app and having people label data manually. Of course, the capitalist ecosystem is going to have other people being like, hey, can we automate that somehow and make it cheaper? So look at something, inform yourself about something like Snorkel, a Stanford University initiative um, that set out to explore um, the radical idea you could bring mathematical systems structure to the manual process of data creation, right? There are people that are mm. literally going out and trying to automate this business and I suspect that that is why you're seeing a flattening off of demand. Haven't even got onto some of the other technologies of how they can sort of reuse um, that interesting space. But I think that there's a narrative being missed. And I think it was actually Macquarie Bank that was the first people that sort of come out and say, I think there's a demand problem here. And I believe that's correct. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rudy, do you have anything to add to that for Dom? The shares uh, before Dom bought them. And that, and but I, and I used the word owned, so that probably gives me indication. Um, I think by looking at the share price, and that's basically what, what Claude is saying as well, by only looking at the share price, you're often making the mistake thinking, oh, it has fallen uh, so far, it must be a buy here. Macquarie did bring out that report. I think from memory, the share price was uh, around $24, $26 maybe, around that, that level. And what Macquarie said was, um, that the dynamics in the industry were rapidly changing in that Appen had, had become too big for the industry, had too much pricing power. And what the likes of Google and Microsoft were doing is they were now allocating smaller types of contracts and therefore creating pricing pressure because other companies would, would turn up and say, well, we can do this small part of your contract as well. And that completely changed the dynamics internally for Appen, of course. All of a sudden, if you know a little bit about how mathematics works, 
imagine if you if you multiply five by ten you get to fifty but if you multiply it by seven you only get to 35 and that's a big difference mm -hmm. and that type of mathematics all of a sudden start then working for 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 an apple which means that if you if you half the share price it's still not cheap and um to basically going to the to the to the core question that has been asked if i still owned app and shares uh, and i haven't looked at it at buying it for the reasons i just i just uh, explained um i would probably not sell here uh because you you risk that you are uh, uh throwing it away near the bottom of its valuation. Although I must say, it's not ex exceptionally cheap here. It simply came down to more reasonable uh, valuation multiples because the business is changing, the, the, the industry is changing. So whoever owns the shares here should be mindful of the fact that the risks have not disappeared. There is still a risk with this business and they, they obviously uh, are still under pressure. But the valuation at the very least has come down to a more uh, reasonable level. So if you weigh up one against the other, I think Apple is probably a hold here. Got it. Thank you. Dom, that is for you. And Claude, you've reminded me, as I do every every week, to, to just say these are this is information only. It's not specific to your certain circumstances. So don't take this as financial advice. You still need to do your own research or get financial advice. Let's move on from that and get to the next company coming from Sam, Pure Profile, PPL is a ticker code, saying interested to hear what the experts think about that one, data and insights business. He thinks the annual results looked pretty good with revenue, EBITDA and net profit all growing strongly. The company targeting continued global expansion. Look, I'm not really familiar with this company, so I'm presuming you guys did your homework Claude, what have you found? Um, so actually, I was already familiar with this company. This is uh, unfortunately for my sins exactly the kind of space that I follow. These uh, little companies that sort of have a decent business, but you know, you never really know when they're going to get good. Um, Pure Profile has now, like, this is a history, and I'm sure that there's like some fans, you know, the people that are probably actually looking up Pure Profile. Um, to, to hear about it, you know, there's going to be some fans there that will have jumped on and they'll have jumped on more recently as part of the turnaround story. But I do still think it's important to look, to understand that history a little bit um, because it is what feeds into existing skepticism today. So this listed uh, a while ago and it, it's gone down like maybe 90% from its listing price or, at, or from its highs anyway. And basically it was in a situation where what it does is... Uh, its main business now, now, as was then, is basically uh, doing data insights uh, work for companies. So it might go to uh, a, a large company who wants to have a new product or a product feature, and that larger company wants to find out whether either its existing customers or a certain demographic would like that feature, for example. And then through a number of other partnerships, it has flybys, rays, and then its own database, uh, Pure Profile like sort of basically goes out and um, pays people to answer surveys uh, if they fit the certain demographic. So it's it's actually a little bit similar to Appen in some ways, but um, its gross margins aren't that good because it's getting paid for the insights, but it needs to go and pay other people to get the data. And uh, as a result of that, for many years, it was basically just like a negative margin company in my view. And it bought another business and that was like in digital advertising trading or something like that, which also lost money. It was money losing, money losing mm -hmm. in the whole. Now there's a turnaround thesis. So I slightly disagree with the um, questioner uh, in terms of the fact that I, I'm not sure how um, 
you know, I'm not sure how resilient this is as a long-term profitable business just because its history of losing money uh, is there. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent fully in believing that actually, oh my God, the turnaround's here. But I do have to say that there is absolutely a viable turnaround thesis going because they do have much improved results. Mm -hmm. Their most recent um, quarterly result disclosed, uh, I think, a $1 million EBITDA for the quarter. And then they did a presentation, which I don't really like that they did this, but they did a presentation recently and and in presentation in that they sort of disclosed that they've got very strong revenue growth um, so far so obviously we don't know exactly there could be different margins or whatever but basically the, there's a good thesis to be made here that it has actually turned around now it's going to be growing its profits quite strongly and then you've got your value thesis there and um, I don't I don't think this is a great quality tech business but I it does have a small amount of software as a service revenue where it basically sells access to a platform that allows people to get their insights so I could see the narrative switching there as well. So look, it's an interesting thesis. I'm still skeptical at the moment, but it's it's on my watch list. Um, I have to say it's, it's a good idea. In in my view, it's probably, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm happy to put forward the, a more positive bull case because I'm pretty sure Rudy won't like it, but I do have to say it's interesting. I won't say by myself because I'm not yeah. quite there in terms of confidence level, but very interesting idea. So it's on uh, Claude's watch list. Rudy, I have a feeling that your computer is just going to say, no, it's too small. There's other places to put your money, something along those lines. Oh, I could, I could make it even worse. I, mean, uh-huh. I, 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 I have some insights in, 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 in part of that business that does the surveys, and I can guarantee you it's low, it's low quality. Uh, that's, that's uh, <clears throat> I can use other words, but uh, let's just stick with rubbish. All right. Um, I'm a firm. I'm a firm believer that if you look back at the history of companies, it tells you a lot. And I like to throw in the usual quote from Warren Buffett: "Most turnaround stories don't really turn around." And um, yes, of course, share price is very cheap, and 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 it, it will it will have a little bit of a rally at some point because it looks really really cheap. But but here, here here's the, the proposition, and this is by no means uh, investment advice, but I'm just staying within the framework of today's broadcast. I think the, the, the common mistake made by investors is only looking at the share price and then thinking it was so much higher in the past, now it's so low, it must be representing value. I always am a big advocate of looking at the companies behind the share price. Mm-hmm. And in today's broadcast, we had one company at the very beginning, Iris, which promises investors they're going to double, that's 100%, double their profits over the next four years, and then you get pure profile. Right. Uh, if you look at the past data since it's been listed, there is a very good reason why the share price is where it is. The date, the financial data are absolutely awful. Avoid. Avoid. Sounds like at all costs. All right, guys, we are at the halfway mark. Hard to believe flying by this Friday. So let me just run you through it. Stock of the day, Iris. It is a buy from Rudy. He says it is looking good. He's backing management. Claude says that he thinks it's just an overvalued business. It looks better from the outside, apparently, than the inside. So he's avoiding that one. Ardent leisure, short, sharp. It's a no from both of my guests. In fact, Rudy says, why, why would you need to own Ardent Leisure? Phineas is a buy from Rudy as well. He's in a generous mood today. He sees COVID as being unfortunate timing for the company, but he does believe it will be worth more at a later date. 
Uh, Claude doesn't really agree. He's calling it a hold. He says right now it's just a bit too difficult, too hard basket for him right now. He was, though, a previous shareholder, so he knows the business. All right, NZME, uh, fair weather friends is what Claude says. These are cyclical businesses, and when you need them and need the dividends, often they won't be there for you. And Rudy just says, be picky where you put your money. That's a no from him. Appin is a hold for Rudy. So you just heard him talk about it. I don't need to reframe it. It's an avoid, though, for Claude. And he just sees that structural shift accelerating. Pure profile, it's on Claude's watch list. Not so for Rudy. In fact, Rudy probably wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Let's get across the fantasy portfolio that we've got going here at Ausbiz. And this is thanks to our partner at NavTrade. All the companies that get a two thumbs up or a buy from both of our guests go into the portfolio. Nothing's in there today. But here's how we've been performing. Not bad over the past week. So that's actually outperforming the market over the past week, up by 1.5% over the past month, full year to date, up by close to 5%. Since the inception, so we've been tracking this fund since July 1st, 2020, up around 42%. And the guys on your screens right now have had a hand in that. Australian Vintage has been added recently, Adairs, Cluey, PWR Holdings, and Resimac, but we've removed Medical Developments, Rio Tinto, uh, which of course we've got, um, yeah, really iron ore being hit hard. Today we've got UBS revising downward its forecast for, um, for iron ore, as well as Fortescue, it already had a sell on Rio Tinto. Rays and Energy One have been taken out of the portfolio, which you can check out by going to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. We need to crack on with it, guys. We've got uh, less than 20 minutes left in the program. So let's get to Aventus. This one's coming from Lyle. And I think it's interesting that he says maybe one for Claude. So let's talk to you. It's in real estate, large format retail stores. Many of you would have been to them. They've got a lot of home, sort of homeware companies, I think you can call them, and about 20 centers in the portfolio. What do you think, Claude? Well, I have to say I was a little bit surprised to be called out on this yeah. one myself. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise, but I guess maybe the uh, viewer wants to, wants the sort of skeptical view, I guess. Uh, so I, I had a look at this, you know, I guess big box or bigger retailers, um, it has a good client base. It looks like basically reasonably uh, healthy to me as an actual, you know, property trust itself. So I wouldn't, you know, I'm not really against it or anything, but obviously, I think the dividend yields about 5% a little bit more. And so uh, I guess, again, it's just like a dividend stock. It seems pretty decent dividend stock to me, but part of my attitude is I, I barely ever buy anything for a dividend, like unless it's a really high dividend, I'm basically trying to wait for a re-rate. I think this is about right. Again, it's that theme of like a cyclical business. Like if we have a big recession and stuff, this is probably going to go down. If the economy's booming and stuff, probably keeps on increasing um, distributions. That'll put a bit of upward pressure on the uh, on the share price now. I don't know. Um, it's obviously these kind of stocks, everything benefits from lower interest rates and stuff. It, it's just very cyclical there. I don't love that myself about it. And then the other thing is, if you look at the history of their distribution growth, um, again, it's not like a real solid up and to the right stuff. So if I was really going to be a dividend investor, I'd be looking for companies that are so resilient that they always increase their dividend, increase or flat. And you can find such companies. So for me, lacks any real attraction, although I understand some people love these, like investing for income and stuff like that. And that might be a, a different kettle of fish. Interested to see 
Um, if Ru- I know Rudy does a little bit of dividend investing, maybe he likes it. But for me, um, I guess I hold it best if, if that's what you're into. Otherwise, I just see no attraction to own it really. Rudy, what do you think? Don't ask a tech analyst to, to comment on dividend stocks. Um, I own I own Aventus. Um, I'm a happy holder. I, I actually think it's one of the uh, the more resilient uh, uh, dividend payers in, in the share market. And that, that's that's a, a hint to investors as well. If you are looking for dividends, don't just look at the yield that's on offer. Look at how safe and secure uh, those dividends are. I think Aventus has proven uh, in 2020 that even with lockdowns and, 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 and a very sharp recession, that its type of business is much more resilient than um, many of its peers. Uh, think of uh, Center Corp, uh, Asia Pacific, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is that large format uh, that, 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 that keeps on uh, opening its business and, and keeps on paying the rent for, for these guys. Of course, you should see it for what it is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relatively steady growing dividend payer. It's not a spectacular grower that's going to double its profits over the next four years uh, to stay within the framework of today. Um, so I think it is currently trading at a premium and, and it's probably for all the reasons that I've just mentioned, it's much more reliable, solid, uh, dependable. And that's why it's trading at a premium. It does pay you uh, 5% plus, Claude is correct. And, uh, and that, that is expected to grow at, at, at a reasonable, moderate pace of the years ahead. So if that is some of the, some of the backbone you have in your portfolio, then Aventus could be one of them. Got it. And it also says that it will um, pay out. So the payout ratio will be consistent at 90 to 100% of funds from operations. So that's Aventus for Lyle taken over by Claude, or I should say Rudy from Claude. Let's get to Kogan for Ben, saying, could you ask the experts to review Kogan again? I've been watching it for a while, coming down towards support around $10. I know they've got inventory or storage issues, but I'm seeing brokers reporting higher price targets. Um, so what do you think uh, about Kogan, Rudy? We'll start with you for a change. Yeah, let's let's start with Rudy this time, because we've, we've, had, we've had many disagreements today, but I do feel that we are going to be in, in agreement on this one. Uh, the reason why I don't like Kogan, uh, how long do we have? And yeah, I'll well, not that long. I'll keep it very short. We've, we've spoken about Kogan in the past. Uh, the, the company gets fined because it actually bamboozles its customers. Uh, I've heard some horror stories about uh, their customer support here and there. And uh, I think the two uh, main characters in the business have made it very clear they want to cash in as much as possible and they yeah. want you to pay for it um it's not on, on all esg scales it, it it scores very low i do believe i do see why brokers get excited about it at times it does really well the question has to be asked whether 2020 was simply an aberration that really fell into their lap and made them perform much better than they otherwise would have and um, for all the reasons I just mentioned, I simply will not will not go anywhere near this company. Yeah. So I've had a few conversations about uh, the directors offloading their shares. I mean, is that for you, Claude, in and of itself, enough for you to keep away from Kogan.com? I, I mean, just just um, director selling isn't enough for me to keep away from a stock generally. But I have to say. 
the combination. So actually, I was mentioning some of that quant work that I've done before in the past. One of the projects that I'm really enthusiastic about is building models that can try to automatically, uh, I guess, like rate management conviction or, or rate, you know, use signals from management to, mm -hmm. to understand things about what the share price is likely to do. And I can say with reasonable confidence, I'm, I'm not going to get into the black box, but when you have high, re high remuneration, so they get paid a lot, and high director selling, um, that is a negative. Now, offsetting that, generally high, high insider ownership is a positive, which arguably you still have with uh, Kogan.com. But overall, in this particular case, the level of high, in my opinion, high remuneration plus combined with quite regular uh, large sales, or you know, at least large sales from time to time, it, it's not a good sign, no, uh, that particular factor. So nothing redeeming about Kogan, considering we're in this massive paradigm shift to e-commerce, online buying. Kogan's moving into everything. I mean, insurance, you know the story. I don't need to tell you. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not a... Re well, Go ahead. Well, yeah, the, I guess there is a, obviously beyond it. Like, that's a bad... That's a factor that goes against it. On the other, you know, it, it, it has done something well. Like, Kogan is a challenger kind of brand that's, like, come and taken a lot of market share. It, again, is going to be... a um, go in cycles now, probably different cycles than Aventus, but um, it's obviously just coming off like what was an amazing cycle in favor of Kogan, right? Where you had heaps of extra people using Kogan when they might have usually gone to one of the shops that, uh, you know, hires its premises from Aventus, right? So that's been in Kogan's favor and we're, we're cycling off that now. And yet at the current market capitalization, it's almost as if Kogan is being priced on 2020 profit, which was like a really good year for them. And the company, and you know, for whatever reason, um, the market's looking through the really bad 2021 statutory profit, um, which the end of the story for me is this is remains like quite optimistically priced more so than people think, because I think people are still anchoring to the to earnings in really favorable mm -hmm. environments and that that may change going forward. Got it. Thanks, guys. Now let's get to Reef Casino Trust RCT for Dan. He's wondering if this is a high dividend, low PE stock for the long term, one that could benefit from the reopening trade. Rudy? Define long term. Uh, if it's longer than two days, I would say the computer says no. Um, it, uh, why? Like, I can only ask why. I mean, this has all the hallmarks of being a value trap of a dividend trap yes the yield is high but you have to ask why is the yield as high and that's probably the market telling you you better be careful on this mm -hmm. one um, if you look again if you just look at the past half a dozen years uh, everything goes down including the share price uh, and even the sales numbers go down the margins go down the, the cash flow is not there um, I mean even the volumes, the trading volumes on a daily basis are at times so low that if I would put in some money, I'd probably double the share price, yeah. um, which, which by no means I want to do because then I, I'm, I'm caught in a, in, a, in a trap where I can't get out. So for me, it's like the, the big question mark is simply why would you consider something like this where you can have other companies that give you an equal uh, dividend yield with much less chances of of uh, of going into disaster mode got it thanks rudy how about you claude any redeeming qualities in reef casino trust 
no, I'd probably actually argue this is probably one of the worst companies we're talking about today for uh, so many reasons. Everything what Rudy said is true, but the thing is that sometimes you can, and obviously I don't do this and I disagree with doing this personally, but one thing you can do is you can invest in sin stocks for like dividends and stuff like that, tobacco and casino and stuff like that. But if you're going to do that and you can kind of get slightly higher returns in those kind of industries because a lot of people shun them, um, I, I think like what you want is like maybe probably tobacco, which is even more insidiously addictive and much harder to kick uh a uh, casinos as we've seen we are literally watching the biggest casino company um in australia get into all sorts of strife right mm-hmm. i think there's a much more likelihood that australia which has huge losses to gambling right compared to other countries we tolerate the absolute taking of money usually from people who can least afford it taking their money because they have addiction to gambling we're giving them drinks and encouraging them to stay late at night and all of that sort of stuff. Australians, we are, if anything, in my view, more likely to come more in line with the rest of the world in recognising mm-hmm. that that's not such a great thing. So I think there's quite a bit of risk in this one for the long term. If I reckon you hold this long enough, eventually you're going to get hit by a government that said, we're sick of this. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Meyer. This is for Holly. So Meyer is not paying dividends. It is helping uh it's turning the business around so it's got a 51.7 million dollar after-tax profit that it announced yesterday um up from a 13.4 million dollar loss it will though i will say got a lot of money from the job keeper program in that time period so uh is this is this a turnaround story that you would invest in rudy <laughs> computer says no and and i have to ask the question again why and, um, I mean, a, a comparison I often make when it comes to Maya is that in the year 1993, um, they, they, their revenues peaked uh, in that particular year, and they have been sliding downwards ever since. And if you just look at the past, dec- the past half a dozen or a dozen years, the revenues keep on sliding. So this is basically a story that at some point someone's going to put out the lights. Um, and yes, can it turn around? Ah, oh, maybe. I mean, it doesn't even own its own properties anymore. It already has done all everything that could temporarily prop up the, 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 the profits. Is this company going to have a good year at some stage? Probably. I mean, that's what happens when, when, when profits fall deeply enough and, and the business is, is in, too, in too much strife uh, for the longer term. But again, surely you don't have to be an expert to simply look at this business and really questioning how much life is still in there. And, and look, just look at the numbers. I mean, the numbers are going mm-hmm. down almost every year. I mean, this again, this used to be a relatively uh, consistent dividend payer, no longer is. The sales are coming down. Uh, they have a disaster every two years, if, if, not, if not more. Um, at 40 cents a share, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember it listed at 250, I think, yeah. from memory. Um, I think the story's been told, why? Okay, uh, why would you, Claude? I'm trying to think of a reason. No, no, there's no, there's no reason. And honestly, I was going to have a bit of fun laying into it too. But I think Rudy just did it, did it for us anyway. So uh, I might just say uh, nothing further that's like really meaningful to add. Uh, for me, this is in investing on the wrong part, wrong side of a long-term uh, tailwind in favor of you know 
other kinds of yeah, stores. So there's not so, value to be found in every name just because it's cheap. Okay, let's get to Polynovo. Oh, not so long can, term. Yeah, yeah. Um, Polynovo, Chris, uh, this is for Chris PNV. I'll go to you, Claude, on this one. I think we've talked about Polynovo before a few times. So are you buying that uh, things are reopening, we'll start to see stronger growth in the US and parts of Europe really, really come through? Look, I, I think we probably will see stronger growth. So I, the, fulfilling those viewers in not familiar, these guys uh, have a biodegradable medical devices that aid in um, skin tissue re repair with the main thing mm -hmm. being burns at the moment. And look, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they have a great solution. Um, but unfortunately, their revenue growth in the last year was only about 30% um, because they say they you know, had a lot of problems selling into hospitals, which is plausible with COVID. Um, but then you've got a situation where they're trading on around 40 times revenue or more, and it's only growing at 30%. That's why you're seeing the share prices halved. And for me now, actually, even considering the difficult situation, that growth rate was worryingly low for me and certainly lower than I would expected to see. So for me, I would actually want to, I'd want to wait and see revenue growth speed up before getting back on board because trading at this kind of high multiple, even if it does have a great tech, it does really need to deliver on um, growth and getting used. Uh, it's, it's not enough just to have mm -hmm. the best solution. You need to convince all the relevant people that you do. Yeah, and uh, in FY21, revenue was lower than had been expected. Rudy, but do you buy this on, um, on the long-term story? Well, there's a lot of risk involved, uh, Nadine. I, I totally agree with, uh, with um, Claude. What people underestimate, and this is what makes companies like CSL, ResMed, Cochlear so fantastic, is that they they are doing it year in, year out for, for decades. And and to all the credit, I mean, this is actually a, a, a life sciences company that actually has a product and they are selling it. So there are sales and there's a sales team out there and they're trying to get, to get it into more markets. Now, admittedly, they've probably have been taken a big hit from, from COVID and lockdowns, fine. But there's still risks, and, and, and the risks uh, are not in, inconceivable, um, uh, as we've seen with Apple. I mean, once things uh, start changing in terms of mathematics, share price can go a lot lower. So I would, on a safe basis, I would say, like, it's fine if you know the company, you trust management, and you're, you're willing to take to take the risk, and their, their story that it's, it's all COVID-driven, that's fine. But still be aware that there's a lot of risk with this company mm -hmm. and, and they still need to develop this, this whole business. So at best, I would say in a general sense, I would say it's a hold while being mindful of the risks. Got it. Gentlemen, thank you. Now I did promise our viewers at the start of this because I will tell tales out of school. Both of you saw the list of these companies and thought that it might have been a bit of a negative program. Although I will note, I got two buys from you, Rudy, with Phineas and Iris. So you don't have to give us a bit of a bonus buy. You can if you'd like. Now's your chance. Uh, Iris. Iris, that's it. All right, Claude. Claude, I don't want to. I don't want to leave you with the reputation of being a negative Nelly. So, what is floating your boat these days? Uh, well, actually, one company that I haven't really talked about for a while and it's been in the doldrums sort of share price-wise is Volpara. Uh, that's a company that does uh, software for uh, uh, breast imaging. And obviously, like, this is super important. When we saw less women having uh, breast cancer checks during the pandemic, we saw more people dying of breast cancer. So it does. it's important to get these screenings. These guys are really all about making those. I really love the mission of this company. Um, its share price has been pretty much flat 
ish now for about three years. Just got super excited um, of taking a while for the company to uh, catch up. Like Polinovo, it said it's had a bit of trouble during the pandemic. If you believe that, like Polinovo, if you believe that, um, then I reckon either the growth will speed up. But unlike Polinovo, these guys are, I think, more on closer to about uh, 10 or 12 times revenue. So I reckon there's probably a bit of upside there. I, I, I'm a long-term holder. I've got some shares now, uh, but I have traded it over the years a little bit, and I'm more in the mindset to try and accumulate now. Well, lucky you, Claude, if you haven't seen it already. We spoke with Volpara's CEO just this morning. So we've got that I interview that. up online. Yeah, there you go. We oh, right did on. not plan right. this, people at home. No, but no. There I'll is that interview. Out. Good, good. All right. Uh, cool. Guys, I always like spending a bit of time with you on a Friday. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your wealth of knowledge and a few laughs as well. Missing you Thank too you. Already. So fun as always. <laughs> Claude Walker <laughs> from Rich Life, Rudy Philip Ekman from FN Arena. Have a good weekend, boys. We'll see you soon. Thank you. And I will take you through just a very quick sum up of what we learned there over the past half hour or so. Where am I starting? I'm starting with Aventis. Rudy's a holder. He likes it. He's a happy holder, he says. It's a dividend player. Uh, Claude says, look, at best he'd be holding it, but he just doesn't like these cyclical plays. You know that. Kogan, it is a avoid for both of these guys. Rudy really doesn't like Kogan. He says, management is cashing in as much as possible and they want you to pay for it. Reef Casino Trust, it's an absolute no from both of the guys. Just no. It's a value trap as well, in uh, Rudy's opinion. Meyer, it's a no from both of these guys and Polynovo as well. Well, Claude wants to see a bit of revenue growth, so it's a hold. It's a fine hold for Rudy, but think it's risk in there as well. But uh, do it all with your own circumstances in mind, of course. That's our show for today, actually, and the week. It's been great to have you join us as well. And thank you for all of your suggestions for our guests. You can send one to the call at ausbiz.com.au or you can tweet us at ausbiztv. We usually, just as a PS, don't get to them on the day uh, because we do prep for the show, but we always put them on our list. If you'd like to see that portfolio again, you can head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.